we're, we're doing today the portion of Tazria for the Torah in Tiyomain. And uh, we're trying to figure out the exact literal translation of Tazria. We may not uh, be able to uh, give you the exact exact little translation, but we can talk a little bit about uh, a little bit of the concept. But before we do that, I mean, today is sort of the perfect class for a woman's class. You know why? Oh, no, no. The Robertson. Her because there's somebody at the door. Oh, wow. Because the Robertson. Her Robertson. Her the Robertson. Her Robertson. Her Robertson. Um, now, basically, just as we have the two genders over here in this world, so you have a gender, you have the male, the female, the feminine, the masculine. Um, metaphorically, uh, the people are considered the uh feminine side of it, and Hashem and God is considered the masculine. Uh, basically, uh, the feminine in all levels, in the Kabbalah, in the literal, physical level, uh, the feminine is the recipient, and the um, masculine is the one, is the giver. So, the Jewish people are the recipient, are the feminine of Hashem, and Hashem is the masculine, Hashem is the one that gives us. We are the recipient, He is the giver. Um, again, I'm not going into woman's lip now and all the feminists that we talk about, the <laughs> metaphorically, we're talking about basically in the service of Hashem. Now, on the other hand, uh, in the uh, when giving birth, you know, sometimes we say giving birth to a son or giving birth to a male. Of course, it's the woman that is the one that gives birth. We start isha, but when giving birth to a son uh, is considered to be a stronger uh, birth or a creating a uh, a stronger result than creating a female, which is a nekeva, which would be considered to be not as strong, a little bit shakier than the strength of a zohar versus a nekeva. What, what does it mean, as if and why? I, I've, just, I've never heard that. Never heard that? Hebrew okay, Hebrew. so we're going to explain to you now in the Kabbalah and the Hasidus the way it's explained. Is there like Hebrew, is there, what, are the, what is the term, the Lashon, of that? No, no, Zachar or Nekeva, because this is what the... Zachar is male? Male, and Nekeva is female. This yeah. is what the Alter Rebbe actually explains on the Parsha right in the beginning, and he says like this. And he says that there is two ways of, um, I guess, in the service of Hashem. Uh, there's two general ways. Like a mode. Mode. One mode is, or called in the terms of the Kabbalah, is Sarusa de Leila. 
Isarusa de la Ela or Itaruta de la if you want to say it in the Hebrew, which means an arousal which comes from above. Which means sometimes in life we don't uh, prepare ourselves, we don't work on it, but we get sort of an inspiration. We don't even know where it comes from. We get excited, we get uh, enthusiastic about the study of Torah, about doing mitzvahs, helping somebody else, just we get an inspiration. So that it comes from above, that comes somebody throws it into our head uh, and um, and we get excited about it. That is called Itarusa de la Eila. <coughs> then you have Itarusa de la Tato, Itarusa de la Tato, which means the arousal comes from below, which means a person uh, <coughs> works, they work on themselves, they work on their character traits, they try to refine themselves, they try to get close to Hashem. We learned like, for example, today's in the Shir Tanya that we learned today, just happened to be, uh, the Alter Rebbe discusses that there is two types of souls, or he would say, what we would call, there's Sometimes somebody can get a um, a closeness to Hashem, which we will call the 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 soul of a human or the soul of an animal. That's what he calls the soul of a human, the soul of an animal. The soul of a human, basically, the difference between a human. This is not derogatory in any sense, but this is just trying to describe the various different modes. Uh, a human. And the difference between a human and an animal is a human uses the intellect uh, to make, or should use the intellect to make decisions, to guide them, to direct them. Whereas a animal basically is the natural instinct. So what Dr. Rebbe discusses, he says, uh, some people have the power, or they, they have the they, they, they have the privilege of. Um, of really uh, comprehending, you know, they understand, they appreciate God's presence, they, they, they have a full, uh, they're able to see it with their, with their intellect, uh, they are able to connect to God, and they're convinced, and uh, they're, uh, uh, they see Hashem in everything, they see the world, they, they look around, and they, uh, and, and therefore that, uh, level of of their intense reflection and meditation becomes the motivating power for them to uh, want and sustain their connection to Hashem. So why do they study Torah? Because they see that that's the way I connect to Hashem. Why do I do the mitzvahs? Because I see this is the way I connect to Hashem. Why do I refrain from doing uh, a sin? Is because that would uh, take me away from Hashem. But it's all based on a very strong understanding or deep uh, concentrating uh, ideas of 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 of, of 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 reflecting on Hashem and, and everything that goes with it. That would be called like the soul of of a human because it's really based on on a strong intellectual conviction. But not everybody is 
is capable or is able to reach that level. That would be a very profound, a very high level. Some people are more connected emotionally to Hashem. We naturally have, you know, something in us which is our soul, and we we naturally, um, you know, want to be connected to Hashem. Not necessarily do we fully comprehend it intellectually, but we just have a a yearning, something inside us, it's something which is in our nature, something which we just uh, have within us, and that is also not always functioning. You gotta sort of uh, bring it out, that excitement into the open and into the uh, uh, surface, so that actually you should say, "Oh, listen, I want to be connected to Hashem," and 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 that should motivate you to always want to do what's right or to, to the extent that you want to do what's right and to refrain from doing anything that's wrong. So that's that's more of a emotional connection to Hashem. That's called the soul of the animal. But notwithstanding both of these, but they are still work that you got to do. You got to do, you got to either arouse your intellectual connection to Hashem or an emotional connection, but it still involves a person's... Um, work. Uh, you know, after Pesach we start this Firat Omer, which every day we count and each day we try to perfect a certain emotional trait, a character a character trait that we have and we try to always but we work on that, you know, that's hard that's hard work. Sometimes, you know, um, you know, sometimes people work very, very hard on, on reaching a certain level, but sometimes a person will just be inspired, you know, out of, you know, out of the blue, out of nowhere, don't even know where from, and uh, sometimes something happens in your life, or something, something in your life happens that, you know, you see, you know, God was very good to you, or maybe sometimes it happens that when something negative happens to you, you know, something shakes you up, you know, one way or the other, so, oh, you all of a sudden you get sort of a wake-up call, you know, the, you know, you get a wake-up call, so you get somebody from above, because technically our souls have, there's like a big string to the upper level of the soul. Sometimes somebody on the top gives, pull that string, and the soul over here in the bottom feels that pull, and you know, somebody's tugging at you, and you don't, and you haven't really prepared yourself that much, and you haven't really done anything to, 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 to work for it, or to get it, but it's just, you know, somehow you feel somebody's calling you're answering the call somebody <coughs> so the first the first one is called the sarusa dilatata that's an arousal from below that's when you work for it the other one is called isarusa dilaela now each one of these have an advantage when you get a calling from above that could be like because it comes from above it comes from hashem it you know, it comes from very high up. Sometimes, you know, you can have a, a tremendous love in your heart. You know, you can have like a, a burning desire for Hashem without preparation because it's something, it's like a gift, like somebody gave you. That gift can be like in any amount. Hashem can give you like a big gift and then you really want to connect to Hashem. Just to sidetrack for a minute. So like we, we just had Purim. And it says that by Purim, it says that that is really when the Jewish people uh, really accepted the Torah. Not 
at the time when Hashem gave them the Torah, but on Purim they really accepted the Torah. So what does that mean? I mean, really they accepted the Torah at the time. What does it mean that on Purim they accepted the Torah? So one of the uh, Midrashim says that when they were standing by Mount Sinai, Hashem picked up the mountain and put it over their heads and said to them, well, if you accept the Torah, okay, if you don't, I'll just drop the mountain on you and that'll be the end. So, basically they had no choice. So, at the time when they got the Torah, they had no choice. But, uh, by Purim, they didn't have to. The whole problem was because they stood by their Judaism. If they wanted to give it up, because they were Yehudim, they were, but if they wanted to give it up, then nothing would happen to them. So they would be okay, and still they were strong. So it came from them. So, the Rebbe asks, he says, but wait a minute. We know that the Jewish people said, they're going to listen, they're going to do, they accepted the Torah. Here we're all of a sudden saying they were forced into it. How does that feel with everything we know that the Jews just accepted willingly? So the Alter Rebbe explains, Hasidus explains, that the Jewish people at that time experienced a tremendous arousal from above. When it says that God put the mountain over them, doesn't necessarily mean literally the mountain. It was a mountain of love. Hashem, they, the, the, the people over there at the time were privy to such a great opening of the divine. They were able to see such love from Hashem to them. They couldn't resist. You know, it wasn't a natural thing. It was just Hashem came to them from above in a tremendous, tremendous force. So it didn't, it didn't come from them that they were really prepared for this. I mean, it was only 49 days since they came out from Egypt. I mean, they couldn't really fully become at the highest level to receive the Torah. So when Hashem put the mountain over them and put it over their heads, what it really means is He gave them this external love. He gave them this tremendous love. So, but what happened after that love passed away. So, after the all the, the the blowing of the shofar and everything, everything stopped, and then everybody moved on with their regular life, and uh, and uh, the Jews made the golden calf, and they uh, complained, and they were always testing Moshe Rabbeinu with the little things. But when it came to Purim, it was different over there. They didn't feel all that love. It wasn't. They didn't. When the Beit Hamikdash wasn't built, they didn't feel the closeness of Hashem. It was actually it was a time of people were were desperate at the time. People didn't feel. You know, it was like if you take a look now. You know, we uh, we don't see openly the hand of God and all everything. A lot of times we we feel like almost that we've been abandoned. And sometimes we feel like we don't see God taking care of us all the time. We don't see miracles open. We, we, we question a lot of times what we feel. And for us now to study, to do mitzvot, to lead, lead, try to lead a Jewish lifestyle, takes a great deal of self-conviction to go do it. You can imagine 
people who went through a holocaust, who went through uh, the the, uh, the communists, and, and and still after all the troubles and all the tsaras, and still they wanted them. So that comes like from work from within. It's not something like they've seen all the miracles of the seen from above and they're being inspired by something outside. It takes a lot of hard work from within yourself to to go ahead to be motivated. So that's why uh, uh, when the Torah Shem gave the Torah, uh, that's called like forced upon them because they got a very uh, great love and then they were sort of forced into it. They had no choice because Hashem loved them so much so they had to love Hashem too, but it came from externally. But important when there wasn't there, so that was like the acceptance. So but what we're saying over here is that when it comes from above, it can come in a tremendous level because Hashem gives you an inspiration. But the truth is when you work at something, you have to work very hard and you can't always, uh, you can't always reach the highest level. You, Hashem gives everybody a certain amount of uh, strength, a certain amount of uh, power of koyach that we have and some people can do more some can do less so getting it from above can be a lot more but uh, working from below, it's like the difference, you know, you can either win the lottery you can make a lot of money or you can get a job and work very hard, you get a little money but you don't get a lot but you gotta work, but if you win the lottery, then you just get a whole lot of it. And uh, you didn't work for it, and you didn't get it, just got it, you got it, got it as a gift. But there's also a difference. And they say also statistically, see, because I'm just bringing this in, some people say that anybody who's won these major lotteries at the end, they're broke. You know, they don't. Yeah, yeah. they have they lottery survivor groups. What? They have they a, lottery survivor Yes, yeah, because it's Because it, it fits yeah. exactly yeah. with this concept. When something is given to you, and something you haven't yeah. worked at is just like given to you as a gift. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't last. I mean, a lot of people say, let me first get it, then I'll worry about it. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, they said that it was once uh, a person who was looking for uh, a young man for his daughter. And, uh, but he wanted to know if he's smart. So he, wanted, so he put him on the table, he asked a question. So he said to the young man, the, the prospective young man, he says, I want to ask you one question. And by the answer, so he said to the uh, to the young man, he says, "You tell me. I want to know what would you do if you're going on Shabbat, you're going on the street, and you see a hundred dollar bill on the on the street. What do you do? You know, it's laying over there. You know, somebody dropped it. It's nobody. What do you do?" So the first person says, "Oh no, it's the holy Shabbos. You know." And, uh, I'm not gonna touch it. Okay. So he says, eh. he says, no, you're not you're not smart. He says, no. Huh. Uh, then the other person, the next one, he says, he says, what would you do? The next person, he says, guess what? You know, I'm I'm Shabbos, I keep the Shabbos, I'm observant, but the temptation would be too much. I'd probably pick it up, <laughs> but you know, it's hundred dollars. I mean, maybe hundred dollars is not, maybe a larger amount of money. Yeah, you know what? It's Shabbat, but I would. He says, "Nah." He says, "You're not religious." <laughs> so he says, "The third guy." He said, "What would you do?" He says, "Look." He says, first let me find it, and then I'll worry about it." <laughs> <laughs> so 
So he says, oh, you're the smart guy. He says, <laughs> certain situations is, you know, like we're saying, let me first win the lottery, though. <laughs> about how we're going to deal with Amen. it. Amen. Okay, that will work out. But you know that you have to <laughs> only buy one ticket, you know, because you if you buy one. more than one ticket, then you don't have you show that you're not believing in Hashem. Because um, if you buy one ticket, if Hashem wants you to win, okay, you got to buy the ticket. Because that's your natural means. But why buy more than yeah, one? Yeah, you buy one. You buy one. If you're going to win, you know, you know, like that person was praying that he wants to be a millionaire. And then finally, and God is not answering his prayer, he heard a voice say, buy the ticket. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, so you got to do something. But you don't have to buy more than one ticket. One ticket is enough. But anyways, all, 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 all these the jokes aside, there is an advantage to work something out. You work something out when you work very hard. And we see it in, 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 in school and you see it in, you know, some people can, can work very hard for a test. You know, they work very hard in their studies. They review it and they go home and they, 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 they work at it and they try very, very hard. Uh, some kids, sometimes some people are blessed that, you know, they get things quicker. They don't have to work so hard of it. But what happens is those who get it quicker forget it quicker. And if you work hard on it, then you know, then it stays, then, then then you hold on to it. So while you may not you work, you cannot maybe you're not as bright or maybe you're not you're not as talented as somebody else, but yet because you worked so hard on it, then it'll last, it'll be with you. It will be with you, it'll stick with you. And even when it comes to challenges, I mean some of the um, you know, uh, issues that young young people have today who grow up in homes in which everything is provided for them and they don't have to work for anything and they don't have to worry about anything. And then when they go out in the, on their own or they have to, they, they don't, they can't handle it because they've never needed any, they never, they weren't trained to, they, they, they're just trained that all their needs are met. And that's why we have a lot of family problems issues that you know in families that we have with children and with uh, with adults is also because nobody has to work for anything anymore and uh, I say nobody but some please will have to, but it's not it's not to their benefit so to get something is yeah you get a lot but you haven't really absorbed it we're talking about here um, a person we're talking about the Isha, we're talking about the Jewish people, we're talking about Knesset Yisrael. In the Kabbalah, the Jewish people as a whole, they're called Knesset Yisrael, the gathering of, of Israel, that's what's called, we're called all together. The Knesset Yisrael is called Isha, we're called the woman, we're the feminine. So, we're saying like this, Isha Kitazria, that's what we're saying. If the feminine is the one that is begins the process. Kitazria in this case means that they work hard to be able to achieve. So then your connection, the love and the fear of Hashem that you get, the awe and everything will be zakhar, it will be a male. Male in this context means it will be a very, very strong 
uh, and it will sustain, it will last, and it means that while the winds will come and challenges in your life will be there and things will happen, and yet you will be able to overcome those winds that blow, the obstacles that come in the road, and it's inevitable for people to have hardships and difficulty, and especially, as I said before, a lot of times one of the biggest challenges we have is in our amuna, in our belief in Hashem, because a lot of times we don't see Hashem acting or in charge. It almost seems like it's Hester Ponim that is hidden. But if you take the time to learn, to study, and to uh, slowly but surely keep that pace of your connection to Hashem, you will be able to overcome and you'll be able to be strong. But if you just, you know, got it as a gift, Hashem, it's not from the Isha, it comes from the Ish. Ish would mean Hashem. Hashem gives you an inspiration. He just throws it at you. So then it won't be a lasting, then it won't be a Zohar, then it will be in a Keva, then it will be sort of a, not a strong, it's not going to be settled. It's going to be uh, something which something comes, something goes wrong, something changes, then you you're going to lose that. That's the yeah. God's Shekhinah presence is feminine. Malchus is feminine. Okay. So do we have a masculine side? We people what? we everybody we has Jews, in, as also a problem, have a masculine in the in the in this context, yes, within Within the feminine, we also have the two categories of the two genders. But I'm saying, in general, the Jewish people are considered to be yeah. in the feminine. That's the like the Svirat Hamalchut, which is the um, which is also the feminine, which is in the uh, in the in the Kabbalah. Yeah. Um, Biologically also. Yeah. Biologically also. Yeah. So if we're considered feminine. Why is all, it better? All, because we're all recipients. All because we're all recipients. So from sons or daughters of feminine. Right. Yes. Both sons and daughters yeah, of that. feminine. But so, yeah. that, so saying having a son, really, it means... Ha- um, stability. Stability. It doesn't be, mean a male yeah, child. Exactly. It means stability, right? It means stability, which means it's going gonna, it's gonna to go through. You see, this Parsha really deals with uh, laws of human creation. So we see about uh, this is something very interesting, which is brought down. Uh, Rashi brings it down right in the beginning. The past parsha, the parsha Shmini, dealt about all the kosher and non-kosher animals. That's what we talked about. Mm-hmm. Kosher and non-kosher. So basically, it talked about the laws of animals. That's what the previous parsha. This parsha talks about the laws of the humans, how humans are created, created beings. Talk starts talking about the laws, when they give birth, the how it's given birth, or what's the law, the, the status of the woman, the various different things, a male and a female. So it's interesting that the law of the human has been articulated after the laws of 
the laws for the animals. People were created after them. Oh, exactly. So Rashi brings down, Rashi draws a parallel that the same thing is a creation in the beginning. It says that first all the animals were created and the human being was created last. After all the animals were created, was created the human being. So, Rashi brings down over here, Rabbi Simloy says that just like the creation, humans were created after the animals, the same thing is the teachings of the human is created, is, is, is been taught after the teaching of the animals. Well, one wonders why was the human created last? I mean, we, we'd like to think of ourselves on a uh, higher level. We are on a higher level than uh, we are people that have a choice. And uh, we're considered the uh, highest in the four categories that the world is divided in inanimate, growing, living, and the human, this, this is speaking, the person, we're at the highest level. So why is the highest level, why were we created last? Everything else had to be And why here. is our teacher club, yeah? Everything else had to be here first. Sorry? We needed the everything here. To we needed the sun, Very good the answer. earth, good. the land, because we couldn't survive without it. Excellent. We so the Talmud, what the Talmud says. Self-mass good answer. What? What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? Yeah. It's good answer. Also too. Very good. Humility. For humility. That's good. That's the Talmud. Talmud says like this. The Talmud. This is what the Talmud. There's various different answers, but the Talmud says like this: that a person can be one of the two. If a person uh, behaves and behaves like a person, like a mensch, he behaves like a human being, like he's supposed to. Then we tell them why were you created last is because you should find everything ready for you. Like you, uh, like you said, that you know, we have everything ready, so you're ready and you get all the honors, you get everything. Plus there's other reasons, but it's all in the positive for the human being to have it ready. But we also tell the person, if you're arrogant and you think of yourself that and uh, you allow yourself to behave not in a proper way, then you should know there's nothing to boast about. You were created the last of everything. And you, so don't, don't, don't. An don't, afterthought. An afterthought. <laughs> don't brag about it. So it's both. It's true. What does this mean? It means like this, you know. So what is this? How do we explain this? Because we have two parts to us. We have the neshama. We have the soul. A human being has a neshama. Of course, the neshama is only the human being, the soul. We are higher than anything. Yeah, there is some sort of a soul to other things. But we're talking about the nefesh, Hashem is Yisrael. We're talking about the special soul we have. That's only, that's special that the Yid has. Now, then you have a, a physical body, human body. Now, in a way, the human his temptations and his abilities to choose the negative in a way make him on a lower level than even the animals. Why? As the Rebbe explains in the Tanya, an animal does not do, does not choose to do against Hashem's will. 
can't choose anything. An animal just goes by nature. That's what it is. But a human being, even if he doesn't choose to go against nature, against that, it, but yet he has the potential. He has the ability. If he wants, he can choose to do against a God's will. That puts him in a, in a way on a lower category than even the animals because here you have someone or a creation that can do against Hashem's will. That would be the furthest thing from Hashem. So, then we have to say to ourselves, okay, we have to, we're here in this world, everything has to be purified and sorted out. And that's why we learned the Torah. What does the Torah tell us? The Torah tells us how to deal with everything, which is the kosher animal and the not kosher animal, what we can sort out, what we can eat, what we can elevate, what we can do. We're, we're, that's what we're learning in the Torah. So, it turns out that the, uh, the study talking about the human, just like the human was created last, also because of the reason that uh, he might go in the wrong direction. We want to tell him, you know, you have to uh, do the right thing. The same thing is true as far as teaching, learning about the laws of the human. The human needs more refinement. You need to make sure the human takes more work. It takes more uh, to refine yourself, to become a Torah Jew, to become, um, I guess, sometimes we say, you know, people study Torah. In Yiddish, they say, you learn Torah. Learn Torah means you study Torah. But it also means... uh, you teach Torah. So they say, when you say you learn Torah, the question becomes, but what does Torah teach you? It's not, it's not, sometimes people study the Torah. A lot of times people study Torah. But they, Torah doesn't refine them, doesn't make them into better people. On the contrary, sometimes some people study Torah, they become uh, very uh, haughty, or maybe they're successful, they're smart, and then they use the Torah for wrong uh, reasons. Sometimes people do that too. That's sometimes used. Uh, they're using the Torah for negative purposes. So the Torah is meant, when you study Torah, the Torah is meant to refine you, to make you into a better person, to make you into a person, a sensitive person, to make you into a good person. The truth of the matter is that people who learn Torah and listen to Torah, and um, I can say this about, you know, when the Rebbe was here, when I grew up, and the Rebbe was here physically, and we always used to hear the Rebbe talk about uh, how much you have to care about other people. He would always talk about how much you have to reach out to other people, and, and he kept on talking all the time, you know, he never got tired of pushing us and saying, you know, you, you, you can't just study Torah for yourself. We just read a letter, you know, in the Rebbe's the last, yesterday we read a letter. person wrote to the Rebbe a question. He says that, you know, he was in a certain circumstance. It doesn't say what it was. And because of that circumstance, he has a big problem. He said, he said a lot of till. So maybe he said the whole till every day. It doesn't, it doesn't say there. I don't know. But he said, he said a lot of till. And he said, Baruch Hashem, that situation is gone. So now, 
He's asking the Rebbe, <laughs> since that situation is gone, so, and now he has more time to study Torah. If he's going to continue that, I, I, I'm just saying, if he's going to continue saying uh, Tehillim like he did, maybe say the whole book of Tehillim, it takes him an hour and a half a day. He has to work and everything else. I'm just adding, I don't know exactly what it's doing. But he says he's not going to have enough time to study the Talmud, whatever he wants to study, because he's going to be saying Tehillim. So maybe he's asking the Rebbe, since I'm no longer in that position where I have to say Tehillim all the time, so maybe I should cut down on my Tehillim, okay, say the Yom and everything else, but not, but continue doing the studies. And the Rebbe answers him, since you've been doing the Tehillim all the time, he says, we don't know what Hashem likes more. And Rabbi says, you know all the stories about Tillam, how Tillam is the most powerful thing. But since you've been doing this all the time, it almost sounds like Rabbi says, if you came to ask me whether you should spend the whole day saying Tillam or studying, maybe I'd tell you to break up the day a little bit. But you've been doing this for so long. And who of us can tell what Hashem finds more precious, whether it's your Tillam or is your studying the Talmud? Continue saying the Tillam. You know, like that story, it's a famous Chabad house story about this fellow who came into the house and he saw this person was was davening all day, he didn't come out. So he asked him, oh, later on he came out, he said, where are you? He says, I'm davening all day. He says, what takes you so long to daven, to pray all day? He says, well, you know what, I don't know exactly. He started from cover to cover, bless you. He would say everything, for Shabbos, and for Yontif, and for Rosh Hashanah. You know, he davened the whole thing. So the Balsemtu says to him, look, you know, that's not, that's not the way to do it. And he started putting a mark, as he says, the weekday you only do a little bit. In the Shabbos you do that part, you don't do everything every day. And he made him notes, and he was so happy, he hugged and kissed the Balsemtu, Balsemtu left. And he was so happy that he started, and all of a sudden, all those markers fell out from his sitter. He lost it all, he was devastated. So he's running after the Balsemtu, he's running, he's running after the Balsemtu. Now he wants to know if I'll pick up his kid for the minyan. I want to tell him that I will. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so, he, he was devastated. And so he's running after the Balshemtov, running, running, running. And he comes, there was like a little river, and they crossed by boat, that river. So he says to the man, did you see the Balshemtov? He says, um, let me just tell him that yeah, I'll pick him up. Multitasking. Let's just answer it. Yeah, earlier. Huh? I was multitasking earlier. On the phone. Yeah, well, I'm trying to do the minion over here. I'll pick them up. Okay, so I'm going to. The Baal through his guard. Okay, okay. Guard. So he said, did, did you see the, the rabbi with the great white beard? Did he see how? He says, yeah. I said, we saw the strangest thing. We never saw anything like that. He took out his guard, his belt. And he put it on the water, and he walked on like on a bridge, right over his gun to the other side. So the guy takes out his own belt, puts it on the water, walks on the other side. And he, says, he catches up with the Balshemto. He says to the Balshemto, Rebbe, Rebbe, I'm devastated. I lost all the... And the Balshemto looks at him and says, How did you get here? <laughs> he says, What do you mean? The same way you got. He says, What did you do? He says, I put my belt on the... And I walked over. 
Spasetsu so says, forget it. Just keep adopting the way you did. <laughs> he says, don't change a thing. <laughs> Just keep on doing what you did and don't change anything. So it's like the Rebbe tells this fellow, he says, look, you've been saying till him, keep on saying till him. We don't know, really. So when we study Torah, Torah is supposed to make us into better people. We don't study Torah because we enjoy the study of Torah. Of course, we should enjoy the study of Torah as well. That's part of, of good learning as well. But that's not the ultimate goal of it. The ultimate goal is to do what Hashem wants us to do. And uh, Hashem wants us to study Torah, but in every situation. But the Torah that we study has to, and the mitzvahs that we do, has to refine us, has to make us better people, has to make us closer to Hashem. It has to help us refine our midos. I mean, not we don't all do it, we don't all do it right, I mean, the, the, but that's what it's supposed to be doing. So it's supposed to do that, and um, it's hard to work on yourself. So to refine, like to eat kosher meat, to the laws of the animals, those are laws that we can handle pretty easily. But the laws as far as the human being, which means self-refinement, self uh introspection, growing, becoming better people, that comes last because the Torah goes step by step. It tells, first it tells you the easy things to do and then it tells you the more difficult for the same reason that we were created last so we know that we're not, we're not there just to brag about who and what we are about our capabilities but to understand that we are all uh, created by Hashem, and if we have any capabilities and we have talents, those are gifts from Hashem, shouldn't make us uh, haughty, shouldn't make us brag, shouldn't put other people down, but on the contrary, to take those opportunities that we have to really become closer to Hashem. Now, that's not an easy job, I mean, because people are self-centered, they have an ego, and the people are most of the time react in a way which sometimes gets them into trouble, <laughs> you know, gets them, and that's why it comes last because we, that's something that we all struggle with. But we try to become better, and we try to make the world a better place. And when we do, then Mashiach will come. You know, I mean. I don't know if Mashiach can wait that long, but at least we have to, uh, to become better. But we have to push. We have to push real hard to do what's right, refine ourselves. And, and hopefully, you know, um, Mashiach will come and then we will get from above. But the, the, the thing is that what we look want, we want to have both of these advantages. When Mashiach will come, we'll have this great energy from above but it'll also penetrate us that it'll actually change us as well. Because now it's either or. If we get it from above, it doesn't penetrate. It's sort of aloof. It's from within us, it's very limited. But Mashiach will come, we'll have that infinite uh, light of Hashem and energy, but that energy will become inside so that we will all, in our physical way, able to see and recognize that Hashem. Till then, till that time, is Isha Kitazria. We all have to sort of work hard. And hopefully, if we work hard, everything relative is the older Zohar will create what Hashem 
wants us to do, and we'll do the best we can. And, uh, but why 